She's on the money. She's on the money. <laughs> Welcome to She's on the Money, the podcast for millennials who want financial freedom. My name is Tony Lodge and joining me for another Shop Back Money Diary is financial advisor, Victoria Devine. Hello, my friend. Hello. Are you ready for another Money Diary? Yes. I've got a green smoothie. I'm a vision of health. I am so, (laughs) so ready. Well, that's what's important, a smoothie. (laughs) Oh my gosh. A green smoothie makes you feel like you've got your life together. You're like, wow, I'm one of the hot Instagram girls now. Mm-hmm. It's like when you exercise in the morning, you're like, wow, I'm really better than everyone else. Yeah, I literally <laughs> am. And I went for a walk this morning. So like, I am better than everybody else. Go. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, that is absolutely not the case. In fact, I made myself cringe a little bit when I said that. So let's jump straight into today's money diary. Tony, can you read out this week's money diarist's email for me? All right, here we go. Hi, she's on the money team. I grew up in a chaotic house with five other siblings that was very unstable and often saw us in refuges and safe houses. Unfortunately, domestic violence and emotional abuse was the norm, and through that, I didn't think that more even existed. No adults around me worked, and Centrelink and having a victim mentality was the lens. I grew up in scarcity where money was not abundant, and that shops like Target were too expensive to shop at. At age 17, I was kicked out of home and worked two jobs while finishing my HSC. I am now 31, have a well-paid job with no uni degree and two properties. I was so inspired to have more and be more that I decided I didn't want what was around me and would love to share my story. Oh my gosh, I love that. I'm so excited about this. Tony, we obviously have our money diarist on the line. We do. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Yeah, well, well, it's such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for sharing your story. That's okay. I'm. Um, it's a pleasure to share it. It's so weird hearing it back again, even though I wrote it. <laughs> it's always a little bit um, mind-blowing when you're like, wow, that's actually really impressive, especially when you hear it about yourself. Yeah, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience. Because <laughs> we've talked about before, maybe, oh, should we get our money diarists to tell us like a quick version of their story so it comes from them? But We've had quite a few people say that they actually like hearing their story back because they go, wow, how far have I come? You know, I started here and now I'm here. And oh my God, Tony, when you read it out, it felt like I was listening to someone else's story. And I thought, wow, good on them. But it was actually about me. (laughs) It's It's, it's so true. And I think if you read it out yourself, you get like, it's, I don't know, it's like you're just reading from a script, but someone else reading it, you're like, go that person. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but it's actually all about you and we want to hear all about it. Great. Well, I can't wait to share. So ask me whatever you want. Ask me we all the pervy will. questions. <laughs> oh, thank you for the permission. We are definitely going to do exactly that. But first, as always, we are going to go through our planned questions. So let's kick it straight off with what is your attitude towards money? So my attitude towards money has changed from obviously being a child to now an adult. And I think I've had to force myself into a different mindset. So um, from age sort of uh, from being a baby to age seven, we had money. And then um, when my mum divorced my stepdad, we didn't. So I was really kind of there was like this juxtaposition of 
being used to having nice holidays and things to having nothing. And so that was really, it was really weird. And as a child, you sort of don't understand why, you know, all of a sudden you're being sent to the corner store and you're only allowed to get the, you know, the dollar 80 bread because that you've only been given a dollar 80 or whatever it is. And so I became very conscious about how much things cost and how stressful money was. And I almost started to resent it because it, it was painted this like bad, scary thing that was like, oh, you know, these terms like filthy rich and, you know, all these negative things around money. So, for me, I kind of was like, it was just always never going to be abundant. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, grew up just wanting nice things and not having them. And um, I, you know, would think about things like, oh, when I'm older, I can't wait. I'm going to shop at Target because I thought that Target was literally the top tier of, of retail at the time because I didn't grow up in, you know, the city. So, that to me was, you know, a forbidden store. But, it, you know, it's just, it's really odd, I guess. Um, I was only sort of allowed to shop at the 5 and $10 rack. And so, if I got new clothes and it wasn't on that rack, I, we weren't buying it. So, um, it's definitely changed a lot as I've grown up and started to earn my own money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess that's just part of, of you know, growing up and, and learning about the value of a dollar and how you can how you can make your own way. Wow. I love how comprehensive that was. I feel like I really got to learn a lot about your money journey um, through that description. So, thank you. Next question is, what do you currently do for work and how much money do you earn? Yep. So, I work in um, commercial property management and mm-hmm. I earn $117,000 a year. Ooh, what? One hundred and seventeen yes. grand a year. Yes. And then sometimes I get a bonus, which I'm hopefully <laughs> waiting to find out if I get this year, depending on the company's performance. Oh, my gosh. That's and no huge. uni degree at all? No, never went no to uni. No uni degree. Wasn't allowed to shop at Target, 117 <laughs> grand. What? Yes. I, I love that. I love that for you. I love the fact that you are doing so well, having come from a situation where you weren't even surrounded by adults who taught you what work ethic was. Like that is, that is really impressive. Are you proud of yourself? I am. And I think, you know, I've always been a bit of an observer. So, you know, I would look at people that I went to school with and their parents had money and I would look at the habits and things that they did versus the people around me. And, you know, it's re- I just kind of saw, well, you know, if people that had no money all the time and were whinging about money, they were also the ones that generally would, you know, maybe smoke or drink or gamble. And so, I kind of really drew the line of why that they were in this situation and other people weren't. Yeah. And so, I kind of just thought, well, I want to follow the path of people that are doing the smart thing and that's what I've always tried to do. So, you know, when older people sit there and go, oh, back in my day, how, you know, I wish I bought this many houses. So, it was always a focus for me to get into property because I could understand that there was value there and that that's something that I wanted. And I think because I didn't have a home as a child, we moved around a lot and I was in halfway houses and refuges. Having a house was so valuable to me and I just, I would have given the blood out of my veins to get there. And I feel like I nearly did. (laughs) It was, it was hard. (laughs) That's such a grown up and mature perception for you to have had when you were at school to look at the other kids and their parents and go, I want that. I don't want this. And there's not a lot of people that would have that kind of outlook or ability to read that situation like that. I guess it's just such a testament to what you went through and 
how you got there. And it's so inspiring. I hope that there's a lot of people listening that are maybe in this situation at the moment that you've been through that can go, actually, there's more than this. Mm. I'm so impressed. I cannot Mm. tell you. Six figures, two houses and no university degree is a feat. But to then put on top of that, that no one taught you that and you had to learn that yourself and you were just so perceptive growing up that you knew you wanted that. Ah, you are inspirational. I'm so impressed. Thank you. That's so sweet. I think I'm just really stubborn. So, um, (laughs) but but in a same, but like in a good way. That's not what stubborn would have got me. But I just like I used to get you know I think because my family had such a bad reputation growing up. Like we were known as the house with the police there all the time, and you know like just really. And so I used to get you know people's mums would say, "I don't want you hanging out with that person," and and so and I used to always um, get told that, you know, people would say, oh, she's going to just be like her mum and have lots of kids. And so I think there was this fire in me that was like, screw you, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that. And I think it's, you know, it's not about, yeah, how many kids you have, but like say for my family situation, there's six of us with four different dads and that was the perception of, of coming, you know, of, of lots of nastiness as well. So, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, I think it was a pure stubbornness and not wanting people to know what was going on. So, yeah. when, um, so my mum has a mental health issue and she threw me out when I was 17 and the careers advisor at school said to me, you know, now that you're living with another family, maybe you should think about dropping out of school. And um, he said to me, have you considered being a flight attendant because you're very attractive what? and you're the perfect what? height? And I was so angry and so offended. And I mean, this is going back, you know, a little while now and you'd never – like they would probably get fired for saying it these days. But I remember thinking there's no way I'm dropping out of school now. Now that you've said that to me, I am actually oh going to stay just because I was so annoyed and that anger just fueled me yeah. getting my HSC. So I worked two jobs and finished um, my HSC and then was able to – save and go to Europe for a year. Oh my um, gosh. And then when I got back from Europe, I moved back in with my mum, which I didn't really want to do because we don't really get along. And I was so determined to save for my first property. I um, So I was 22. I used to, I was earning $750 a week after tax. And That's I, good innings. Yeah, it wasn't bad. And I saved $500 a week for a year because I didn't go out. I didn't do anything because I was so so determined. I was so determined, but also I grew up with nothing. So I was so used to sacrificing that sacrifice to me didn't feel like the biggest thing in the world because Mm -hmm. I've thought, well, if it's, you know, a a short-term pain for a long-term gain. So I slept in a bunk bed for a year and saved $500 a week and then got a second job because I wasn't happy with how I'm impatient as well as stubborn. And <laughs> I... Girls got great. <laughs> my, I then bought my first property at 23 oh for, um, for $255,000. It's now valued at $550,000. What? Oh, yeah. my gosh. She's like a mogul now, Tony. <laughs> 
Well, look, I don't know about that. That was no, just no, no, a no, good no, timing. No. But... Wait till you retire. You are oh. going to have this epic property portfolio. You're going to be making so. bank. You're going to be going to Europe every year because COVID will be done. It'll be so good. <laughs> oh, that's the dream. So, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, there's been lots of sacrifice. And while other people were, you know, when we turned 18, going out and drinking, I couldn't afford to. And so, this is before the time of internet banking, I would put different money in different envelopes with different yep. labels about what I was and, you know, which is now what we do with with all the accounts we have. Um, but I just got into really good habits. I knew that I needed to keep a roof over my head and I was very good at stretching a dollar because I didn't have lots of dollars. <laughs> yeah, but you'd also grown up knowing how to do that and I feel like people really underestimate having gone through that and how resourceful you become and yeah. how you can actually work it all out. Whereas somebody who maybe hadn't had that experience would be like, that's impossible. I could never. And you're like, well, you've never been put in a situation where you've needed to be that resourceful, have you? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really impressive that you're using it to your advantage as well. Like it's just, it's so cool. And we've gone so far off track the questions <laughs> I meant to be asking you, but you are Sorry. so interesting. And this story is so inspiring that I know nobody listening is going to be mad at me. So hopefully that's the case. I'm just assuming. (laughs) So the next question I have for you is what is currently your big money goal? So my big money goal I've just achieved this week. Um, So (gasps) the property we've got at the moment is a really old house and we're renovating it. Um, And the bathroom was just Oh, I could I hated even getting ready in there. It was so awful. It was like falling oh. apart. So <laughs> last year I um, got a $10,000 tax return. So I put that in savings. Oh, fancy. And then I have been saving this year and we just saved $20,000 to do a new bathroom, oh, which should be finished so this good. week. But it's been just blood, sweat and tears to get this bathroom finished. Um, and who knew that they were so expensive? And they are. So warning to everyone. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. The second you start talking about home things, it just spirals out of control. I feel like you get a tax for that and a tax for weddings. Like it just yes, happens. Definitely. You wouldn't think it would be that expensive because I've been to Bunnings. I've looked at how much toilets are. Who would have <laughs> thought getting them actually installed is the pricey part? I know. <laughs> But that's really exciting that you've actually just met your big money goal. So on to the next so one. Cool. On to the next one. Yeah. So <laughs> the next one will probably be um, I'm looking at starting a business and <gasps> I'm trying to just pull together some capital to do that. Oh my wow. gosh. What's your business going to be? So it's because I work in property, um, it's going to be a property management business. Uh, like service and um, but more so to holiday houses because that market is just exploding at the moment. That's very smart. <laughs> she's a genius, Tony. Mm-hmm. This woman has already gone places and she's going to go more places. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. All right. So we already know you have an investment property, but do you have any investments? So I obviously have my super, which um, up until listening to She's on the Money, I never considered as an investment, but I've definitely become more interested in it. And I now yes. check in and I watch it and I Yay. understand it. And um, so I have $80,000 in super. Oh, that is so good for your age. Well, I didn't realize, but um, I think it's, yeah, the average I wasn't sure about. So, I didn't know that it was good <laughs> until yeah, you no, mentioned that's it. that's a really good amount of super to have. And I think that people 
underestimate how much that they need. But for someone between the age of 25 and 34, the average balance for women is 31,600. And you're running rings around that. Like you're literally more than double that amount, my friend. So when they say, have you got enough in super? Like you're kicking it. You're doing pretty well. Well, that's good to know because I was sort of like, I don't know, I feel like I'm my own worst enemy. I was like, oh, I wish it was 100. <laughs> and it will be, I'm sure, especially with your salary and the contributions in the next couple of years, it'll absolutely get to 100. But yeah. I think it's also a testament to you because – as you said, you've been working two jobs since the age of 17 and in your lifetime, superannuation has always been mandated. So you've been earning super arguably for a lot longer period of time than most of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started working when I was 13, but I used to get paid cash. So that probably didn't contribute to my super. But um, I also used to be self-employed and I was religious about putting my own super oh, that's in. Good. Most so, people aren't. Well, and I think at the time I was always like, oh, I resent putting this, whatever it is, a week yeah, but, but now that knew. but now that I you know I'm stepping back and looking at it I'm like thank god past me made that decision because now present me is and future me will benefit from that yeah. um and I also salary sacrifice about $30 a week into my super because honestly it's so important and I see, and again, just by, you know, sheer observation, you see these women that are, you know, maybe they're divorced or they're single or whatever the case, and they're really struggling at the age of, you know, 55 and they don't know what to do. And I don't want to be one of those women. Yeah. It's so important to realize that I was speaking to someone the other day about, you know, women and poverty and getting towards retirement age. And here in Australia, the biggest growing demographic of people becoming homeless are women between the ages of 55 and 65 and I think that nobody thinks about that and the reason for that is everything you just said it could be they're going through a divorce you know they might have lost their partner they are single and hadn't prioritized um, retirement yet there's a lot going on there that I think that we push to the side and don't talk about because you go oh it's all too hard it's all too much but these women could have been, you know, in such better positions if someone had kind of scooped them up a couple of years ago when we were our ages and said, all right, Tony, it's really important. Make sure you're making superannuation contributions. Here's where you should be at. Here's where we need to go. This is what this looks like because that literally could have saved them from the reality they're experiencing now. But right now we need to do a lot about that. So you're absolutely right. We don't want to get there, but I think it's also important to acknowledge that right now that's a really big issue for us. That's a really big thing that a lot of people are going through, but I don't think is being spoken about nearly enough. Yeah. And I think too many women, and this is just like from my own personal experiences, I watched um, a lot of women around me as a child just be with men because it was easier than being alone. And so um, my husband will tell you, I'm so fiercely, annoyingly independent that I'm, <laughs> I'm like, um, you know, I went before we got married, he signed a prenup to, because that property was yes, mine. Queen. And so, you know, um, and look, he's amazing. And But I'm just so, I never want to rely on a man. And if that means making personal contributions to my super now, then so be it. Because I never want to be that woman, that spider monkey that goes from tree to tree out of desperation of necessity. Yeah, 
And and I think that's really relevant as well. It puts you back in the control seat. It puts you back in power. And whether that is a man, a situation, a place, an employer, like having enough freedom of choice is going to come down to your financial situation. And you're never going to be forced to do anything you don't want to do if you've got funds behind you. And that, as much as it's not a nice reality, is the real reality of what financial freedom can afford you. Absolutely. And whether you like talking about money or it makes you uncomfortable or whatever the situation, this is the reason it's important. All those reasons you just mentioned. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Back on the train of questions. Do you currently have any debts? I've got $1,000 owing on my credit card. um, And I, sorry, forgot to mention, I've got $2,000 worth of shares because I joined Raise thanks to you. Oh, yes, queen. (laughs) Oh, amazing. (laughs) So I'm trying to get my shares up and I'm trying to understand that as well. But yeah, no, not many debts, only um, yeah, the $1,000 credit card, which will be over soon. And mortgages? Oh, of course. Well, yes. Um, So I have... But that's constructive debt. That's not bad personal debt. So I know why you didn't mention it. It's all good. I still want to know about your mortgage. Okay, I will tell you about it. curvy money, Dyrus. Okay. Well, I told you that I bought um, a little villa when I was 23, which I mentioned Mm -hmm. about what I paid, what I was earning and... um, what it's worth now. So when it was being rented out, when the property in that area boomed, I wasn't living there at the time, and um, it literally like doubled. I and I was it's like, "What? So that area cool. became cool? Who knew?" So you knew. I, you knew. <laughs> I went and met with a broker a few years ago, and I borrowed the equity. So I yeah. pulled a hundred thousand dollars out of that because obviously it had increased in value. Yeah, and I refinanced the loan and then. And bought another house, which is where we live now. Oh my gosh, that is so good. Yes. Yeah, so- I'm so excited for you, but also just like so unnecessarily proud. And I say unnecessarily because like I am not allowed to be proud of you because I had nothing to do with your journey. <laughs> I always say that. I'm always like, oh my God, I'm so proud as if I contributed in some no, way to that. I think it just shows that we have a great community here. Like I'm proud of things that I hear about on Money Diaries of complete yes, strangers. Good. And I'm it's not like, the only one. No, I get goosebumps sometimes and I'm like, oh, the feels. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's so, so nice. Isn't it? <laughs> Money Diaries are literally my favorite. All right, next question. Do you use Shopback? I, you know, I haven't, no, but I understand. I think it could work. I think it's a great idea. If I was going to buy something, I definitely would use it, but no, not yet. I feel like you're potentially too intelligent to shop online in the same way that I do. So, Do you know, actually, my shopping is actually, I like I said, it's taken me a long time to get out of this like scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. So, and my husband's like the exact opposite because he grew up with money. So, him, his money's story is very different to mine. But when we were buying a vacuum cleaner, I couldn't part with $700 for the Dyson. Like I wanted to, but I physically was like, yes, oh, yes. I was too scared. So, I bought this crappy little thing that was, a few hundred dollars cheaper and it was the worst and I ended up taking it back and upgrading to the Dyson and my husband was like I told you so buy what you want the first time buy quality the first time (laughs) but I but I find myself doing that over and over and I keep thinking learn the lesson (laughs) yeah I feel like that is a good lesson and I guess it's one of those things that it's kind of the circle of poverty in a way right because 
you buy what you can afford, not going for the best thing. And that might be, you know, like school shoes, right? So like the expensive school shoes, you remember the Harrison school shoes that everybody had the like really beautiful buckle up ones with like butterfly pattern. All right. Well, you guys might not, but I know everybody listening is going to be like, yes, they were the <laughs> only ones we could have at school. Cause like, otherwise we weren't cool. Anyway, we <laughs> we really, weren't cool, really Tony. Sorry. No, I, I, Obviously. you're not telling me anything. I don't already know. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm giving away my money money story at the moment but it was really important to have those shoes but they were really good quality shoes right but if you compare that to someone who maybe couldn't part with the $110 for those shoes and they went to Kmart and got like $20 school shoes they might have to buy those $20 school shoes four times yeah five or six times during the year Mm -hmm. therefore costing them more than what the initial investment of the more quality shoes were but they didn't have the capital at the start to outlay that and that's what potentially keeps people in that cycle of, you know, buying stuff that is the cheapest, but trying to replace it because they don't have the capital at the time. And I think it's really nice to be able to afford right now, like, oh, yeah, cool. I can afford the quality one, but it's also one of those things that you go, oh my gosh, like that's not something everyone can do. And that's like, you know, a privilege of wealth. Like I'm so grateful that I can go and I do the same thing. And I'm so grateful that, you know, I can go buy a Dyson if I really, really need it. Um, and I mean, it's not like I go and buy a new vacuum every year. Like I've had my most recent Dyson for two years. And the one before that I think was nearly 10 years old, but you buy quality and it lasts. But most people who are in that situation, they just go, I I can't afford to just buy the quality one would love to. So I don't know, for me, that was a really good reflection point to go, how lucky are we like to be able to now buy Dyson when, when you were younger, that wouldn't have even been an option. Yeah. And I used to like, it's funny the things that we tell ourselves. So when I was younger, I was in a completely different occupation and I was on, you know, like a much lower income. And I used to tell myself these stupid things like when I'm on 55,000, then I'm going to buy that. Or when I'm on, you know, and then I, when I set myself the goal of being on a six-figure salary, I would say like, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then I hit it and I would move the goalpost again on myself. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing? Like, it's so unfair on yourself. I know. But anyway, it's what we do, right? All right. Well, let's ask you, because that sounds like a not good money habit. Let's ask you what your best money habit is. Um, My best money habit is I'm very good at, and this is going to sound bad, but I'm very good at going without. So, you know, if I have to stretch my pay for a week or a fortnight or whatever, I kind of hold out the cash flow of paying for certain things. And then so, and I think that comes back to not having that anxiety around not having money. Yeah. Um, But I'm very good at prioritizing. I'm good at saving. And I have probably over 15 bank accounts where I divvy up things and they're all labeled. And so the way I sort of like to look at my money is that each account is a bucket. And even if I put one drop in that bucket a week, it'll eventually get full of water. Oh, I love that. I really, I haven't even considered it like that. I really like that mental space. I hope that a lot of people can take something from that because even if but you, you add just one don't drop, realize exactly it'll fill up at some point. How special! I think all my buckets have holes in them. <laughs> <laughs> you need new buckets. <laughs> I think some of us even need to just get some buckets to begin with. Um, (laughs) All right. Flip that. What is your worst money habit? 
It's probably that mentality thing about either like there's not enough to go around that scarcity thing. Um, my husband's like, just buy the damn shoes or, you know, whatever. So I think it's a bit of that. And still, sometimes I find myself going for the cheaper option of things, even though like we just talked about with the Dyson or the shoes or whatever it might be. And sometimes I have to really force myself to break that habit. But Mm -hmm. then I feel really proud when I do because I'm like, I acknowledged, I had that level of self-awareness. I acknowledged what I was doing and I changed the behavior to then get a different result. I love that. I just feel like you are so gritty. Like you just have so much grit about yourself and like that is that is a compliment if you've never been called gritty before but it's like <laughs> one of those things that you know if I'm anything I hope that I have more grit like I get up when you know I'm pushed down and I try and I try again and I'm tenacious and I just I really respect what you're doing and I think it's really inspirational oh thank you all right so to summarize all of that because we took the long way around <laughs> what grade would you give yourself if we forced you to give yourself a grade I would probably give myself an A um yes. because I think that I can certainly acknowledge all the things that I've done and where I've come from um but I you know I I know there's still things to do so you know there's like savings goals I'm trying to get my emergency fund up to a certain amount and things like that so um, yeah, I'd give myself an A with room for A plus potential. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely agree that you are an A and I have a few pervy questions in just a cheeky minute. All right. So diving straight back into this, during the questions that I was asking you before, you mentioned that your partner grew up in wealth and you didn't. How have you guys spoken about your money stories to get on the same page because they were so variably different? That's a great question. So he was actually married before we were together uh-huh. and um, as a result of that had to enter into a part-time agreement, which is similar to a bankruptcy. Yeah. Wow. So um, when we started dating, I was obviously aware of the situation and that made me, did make me nervous, but I just wanted to understand it and understand his money story and understand how he spends money. But because he grew up with money, his family was kind of of the opinion, like you just buy it and it makes you happy. And he kind of, that was just the, you know, the scenario. But when he was an adult, you know, it was like, if you buy it, but then there might be finance attached or whatever. And I, I'm like, no, that is not how we're doing things. (laughs) So I was like, look, it would make me feel comfortable if I could manage the money. So um, he's had to work really hard to get out of that and build up his credit rating again. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, he's he dated someone who had their own house and is really savvy. And um, yeah, you know, so and like so- <laughs> you said before, a man's not a financial plan, but no one said a woman isn't. <laughs> That's right. Maybe, but look, he's, I think, yeah, we're just, we're both on the same page now, but sometimes like I'll catch him doing something where he'll go, oh, just buy it. And then I'm the exact opposite where I'm like, no, I'll just wait. So we're kind of like, if, if, if I'm fire, he's water. So we, it, it's, it's really interesting, but um, we've definitely, we're on the same page about it, but the, the bankruptcy and everything was, was really tough. Wow. And how did you feel coming into that? Like you mentioned before, you were a little apprehensive, but how did you work your way through that? Because obviously would have been a bit confronting having gone through, you know, a lot of this growing up and knowing that money wasn't in abundance to then be faced with, I really like this guy, but 
am I going to go behind? Like, is that not what I want? Yeah, I think for me, it was about understanding everything. So I wanted to understand the level of debt, where it came from, you know, really pervy, Um, wanted to understand what he was spending his money on, where it was going, where it was coming from. And also we can like, so we sat down, put a plan together, we consolidated all of the debt, Um, then the the person, whoever, like the entity is that negotiates it, tries Uh to get it down. And then he set a goal of how long he wanted to um, pay it off. And I said, we wouldn't get married until that was paid off. So oh, that's so good. Yeah. So I think, you know, establishing the boundaries about what does that look like for you and, and, and he's done it. But I think what the hard thing was is people don't realize when you go through that um, I remember him going to get a phone plan at Telstra and you can't yeah. even get a phone plan. So, I had to then get the phone plan in my name, which I know a lot of people would cringe and say, you know, you shouldn't do that. That's silly. But I certainly wouldn't go get a car loan or anything, but a phone plan I was was happy to do. I actually want to be able to call you. Yeah. This is as um, much for me as it is for you. I get that. (laughs) But yeah, look, it was hard and it was challenging and we've certainly put it behind us now. But, you know, he isn't even on the house that we've got now together. So we've got an agreement where he owns 40% of this house mm-hmm. because I used my equity, so we didn't split it 50-50. Yeah, um, but he he still has something even though he's not on the deed because he couldn't go on the deed because of his credit rating. Yeah, wow. So it, it makes a huge impact. People don't realize, you know, yeah. things you do when you're 18 and, it, yeah, it carries with you like a bad smell. But it sounds like you guys have worked through it and now you're married. Yes. And that means he's out of that debt completely, he right? Is. Yeah, that's that was the reward. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good reward. I'd be trying to lock you down ASAP too. <laughs> when did you guys get married? Uh, 2017. So we've been married four years, nearly. Oh, yep. exciting. And pervy questions because weddings are really expensive. How'd you budget for that? So... I I didn't want a big crazy wedding because I'd rather go and travel. So we only spent seven thousand dollars on our wedding, and then oh, we had a that's third, so good. It was really good. We had a thirty thousand dollar honeymoon in the states. Oh my so gosh, my wedding wasn't yes. very expensive. To answer your question, I love that though because it goes and that's actually why I was being really pervy. I was kind of like, I reckon she's had a really savvy wedding and prioritized her values. Um, And that's exactly what you did. I was, I was being a little bit presumptuous there with that question. You were right. But I was not wrong. Um, Would you recommend that? Is there anything you would change about that process? I feel like it's a good place for us to learn. I feel like with my wedding, I mean, I only had a really small intimate wedding of 30 people, so we didn't spend a lot of money. So I guess it depends on how big your family is and who you want to come and things like that. But um, the only thing that, and this is again a, a worse habit of mine, is I think I can do everything. So I catered my own wedding. <laughs> and the morning of my wedding, I was cooking. And I think if I could go back again, I'd probably pay for some extra help. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's maybe a good hot tip. Yeah. Don't cater your own wedding. Yeah, yeah, so that's the only thing because I think I can do it all and I can't because I'm human. So I think that would be my only thing if you're going to do it yourself, 
yeah, give yourself a little bit of a break and get some help. Yeah, cut yourself some slack at some yeah. point. I feel like that's on the right. morning of your wedding, that's a really good time to give yourself that slack as well. <laughs> that's right, yeah. But no, it's so interesting, I guess, when something happens to you financially, how it changes like your whole perception. So um, a couple of years ago, I worked for a company and they, I was doing some property courses through them and um, they – the, the last day of the course, they got me to sign a contract to say if I left, I would pay it back. And I thought it was for the one course I was doing. And then when I resigned six months later, they deducted um, $5,000 from my last pay. <gasps> and I was left with $200 for the month. And oh I will gosh. never forget how that feels. And I fought it and it's fine. But I never want to be left in a situation like that. So, yeah. I had an emergency fund at the time. But I think... I just never wanted to give someone else the power to control how I navigate my life through, you know, feeding myself even. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's just it though, right? Like money is not just about the luxuries. It's about the bare necessities and being able to- Paying rent. Yeah, Yeah. put food on the table. And I think so many people forget the importance of it because it's- such a boring topic sometimes or it's something that's I know, not it's sexy not to talk boring. about. I, not, you you can't preach to me. Like I obviously don't think it's boring. Nah, I'm My such a nerd. Life revolves I have like this. a color-coded Excel spreadsheet and I'm like, how is this, how's this account going? And if we offset this and <laughs> – Oh my gosh, you are my spirit animal. Let me know when you want to come out of commercial property and join the She's on the Money team. You would be an asset. I am there, side hustle. <laughs> oh my gosh, you'd be a really great financial advisor as well. Oh my It's gosh. funny, I hate maths, but I love money. <laughs> oh my gosh, you don't have to do well at maths to oh, be good. a good financial good. advisor, I promise you. In fact, you know how in grade 12 they're like, you really need to be able to do this maths, um, the exams, no calculators and no no notes. I'm sorry. I'm a financial advisor. I now have a calculator on my phone. I even have Google on my phone. I, I don't need to know your times tables. Tell me how I compound know. interest works, Sharon. That's right. Yep. I just want auto sum in Excel. Don't. I don't care about anything else. Yeah, exactly. We have so many tools and resources now. And don't get me wrong. There's obviously a lot when it comes to finances and money and being able to actually calculate it. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's actually less about the maths and more about the planning of resources and I think that you know if anyone's thinking about it financial advice is a pretty sexy career (laughs) I think that is probably a really great place to leave it so Tony as always just before we head off we'd like to acknowledge and pay respect to Australia's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples they're the traditional custodians of the lands the waterways and the skies all across Australia we thank you for sharing and for caring for the land on which we are able to learn we pay our respects to elders past and present and we share our friendship and our kindness. The advice shared on She's on the Money is general in nature and does not consider any of your individual circumstances. She's on the Money exists purely for educational purposes and should not be relied upon to make an investment or any financial decision. And we promise that Victoria Divine is an authorised representative of Australia Pacific Funds Management, Proprietary Limited, ABN 34132463257, AFSL 33915. See you next week, guys. Bye.